everyone, and welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Here with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Beck, Justin Rehammer, Peter Morante, and Nathan Romanoff. Our topics today include substance abuse in the MLB. Sam will give you the latest on some shocking developments in Major League Baseball. And then a big transaction happened in the NFL. A big wide receiver is on the move and Justin will have the news for you. And finally, I'm taking the lead, gentlemen. NBA, NHL playoffs, all of us will discuss what is going on in the postseason in the NHL and the NBA. Sam. What what's going on in the MLB, man? We got the steroid era in the early two thousands. What's what's going on now, man? Yeah, Jake. So in, this is very interesting because, as you said, the steroid era the ha- era that happened in the nineties, uh, very controversial. You had players like Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmeiro, Roger Clemens, all maybe having to go to trial, having to speak in front of a, a court in front of a judge essentially, and say, like, I use steroids, I didn't use steroids. And that was a very hard time for baseball. Like, obviously, before that, before everyone knew what was going on, the action was exciting. Players were hitting so many home runs. We had the home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. It was a good time for baseball until everyone found out what the players were actually doing to allow themselves to hit these home runs and to kind of enhance their bodies in a very... um unnatural way in this case i wouldn't say for the pitcher's side it's not as serious but uh, not as serious as in injecting hormones into your body but it's it's becoming a very big problem for the mlb i think we have to if we really want to start with this we have to talk about uh bubba harkins a former uh clubhouse operator for the angels Back in 2019, he was uh, released by the Angels because apparently he was kind of in the kitchen, per se, cooking up uh, some very um, bad substances. Well, not bad substances necessarily, but substances that would give pitchers an advantage on the field. He basically created a mixture of rosin, which is kind of like a white powdery substance, and pine tar, which is very sticky, combining them together to create a substance that would allow pitchers to get a better grip on the ball, uh, to be able to throw it maybe even faster or for to allow the ball to rotate so many times that it almost be unhittable. So we have that. Now players are start now as we've seen, I think we all know uh, Michael Pineda. We've all seen the clip of him with the giant slab of pine tar on his neck. And um, he was ejected for that. But obviously that was just pine tar. Like, pitchers have been using substances. They've used spit in the past. They've used sunscreen. You'll see, Jake, I like how you mentioned this. We were talking about this the other day. Pitchers would use sunscreen uh, and just lather it up on their bodies to get any sort of, like, extra sticky grip that can get on the ball. Pitchers now have been using a new substance called spider tack. Spider tack was used for uh, lifters. They lift, like, these massive stone balls for competitions where you have to lift up different balls and you have to stack them up on different pedestals. And this stuff is insane. We've seen tests like go out. Pitchers are getting their RPMs or rotations per minute for uh, their fastballs. They can go up up to 
500 plus RPMs. Yeah, and I think for for the fans at home, Sam, to kind of put it into perspective, I mean, you may think, well, well, what's that on a scale? And, and, but but it definitely impacts. You're looking at certain pitchers who are using this kind of thing and and are seeing. Uh, dramatic results where they are their ERA is dropping one even two points because of this kind of added RPMs and just added spin rate to the ball because of the extra stickiness that you have you're able to whip the ball down with maybe a breaking ball or release the ball and and have that rotation move so maybe the RPM maybe you at home maybe don't understand but that that can change the ERA drastically for a pitcher. Another way to put it possibly is that basically it allows the pitcher to basically throw a baseball as a wiffle ball. The ball can get so much more movement. For a fastball, it can make it go even faster, like it increased like velocity. For a curveball, it just cuts it makes it cut so much harder, especially also for a slider as well. This is also concerning. It's concerning to MLB because uh, the league batting average is at its lowest, uh, a part of its lowest it's ever been in the modern era of baseball. It's around in the 230s, I believe, somewhere around there. And also strikeout rates are at some of the highest they've ever been at around 25%, a 25% strikeout rate. That So one in every four at-bats is resulting in a strikeout, which is insane. That has never really happened in the grand scheme of the modern MLB. So with the MLB seeing this, and obviously with hitting being a major part of what draws fans together, the big home runs, the triples, the dub, uh, the doubles, all that is what kind of draws like MLB fans, not necessarily the um, strategic game of kind of a, the chess match that allows pitchers to strike out batters or having a no hitter going about. In fact, speaking of no hitters, there have been how many hitter no hitters have there been? Jake six, seven. I think yeah, six or seven. I think six, but you know everyone was anticipating that seventh one, and it has been kind of a obviously some of those pitchers might might not have been using those substances, but the, some of those pitchers could have most certainly been. I know there's been uh, videos of John Means kind of like you see his fingers kind of go into his glove, and it kind of looks like he's kind of reaching for something. Well, he's reaching. He's. It seems like he his finger is whipping off of the glove, and that is not a a natural kind of motion. There, just you could see like the finger like come off the glove, whipping. I mean, I'm not Sam. I'm not gonna call anyone out here. I'm just looking at the the video. That's what I. That's what I saw with my own two eyes. Yeah, Sam. I have a question, and I just want to ask. You know, I'm not as big a baseball fan as you are, but. Are your main, you know, all-star pitchers like DeGrom, Scherzer, Cole, are, are all these guys in on it using these kind of substances? Do you believe that? Well, you've mentioned two out of the three who have kind of been under the spotlight here. You mentioned Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole in a press conference on Tuesday was asked if he had used any sort of these substances. And he gave this very, like, babbly, like, long, drawn-out answer. And... He did not deny it at all. He said, in fact, he even stated that some of those practices have been have been passed down from generation to generation, from new pitcher to new pitcher. So it's very he didn't even try to lie about it, but he basically admitted somewhat admitted to him cheating. There's another guy, Max Scherzer, 
who's kind of been under the spotlight too, uh, where there have been texts um, to, Bubba, to Bubba Harkins, the, the former uh, clubhouse attendant, from Garrett Cole from Max Scherzer asking him about a certain sticky stuff that they could get from him. So, I mean, there are some all-star pitchers who are kind of under the spotlight here and could possibly be seeing some sort of action taken by the MLB. Uh, just another guy I want to mention, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer in 2018 talked about the Astros maybe even using some sort of foreign, foreign substance to give them a specific advantage in uh, pitching the ball. Well, if you look at Trevor Bauer's uh, spin rates, if you look at his rotations per minute for, for some of his pitches, you see that there's a significant increase in his pitches. I don't want to say like he's using foreign substances, but Trevor Bauer himself did say that the only way to get that type of increase on your pitches is to use foreign substances. Definitely, definitely has some signs there, Sam. You do, but I mean, yeah, like you was saying, it, it's going to come down to, it seems like they're going to look at a lot of guys. I mean, we meant, Nate just kind of mentioned three, and you, you mentioned three. DeGrom, all of his teammates came to his aid. It seems like he's clean for now. You got Scherzer, uh, Scherzer and Cole with their whole responses. But other guys who are having great seasons, uh, kind of almost out of the blue, like maybe a Kevin Gosman on the Giants. He's having a fantastic year. Is That's something that's ended up brought up down the, the line. Of course, Trevor Bauer. So yeah, it's it almost going to turn into a witch hunt, it seems, for these, these pitchers moving forward the rest of the year. Yeah, so the MLB is cracking down hard on this. They've um, four minor league pitchers have already been ejected slash suspended for using foreign substances. I believe the suspensions were around uh, ten games each. Um, the MLB is gonna have like random checks at every like different point with throughout the game. They plan on having the umpires like seriously like cracking down, like checking almost almost like in between innings, like maybe like every like few innings or so. And the MLB has even said that they give out 10 game suspensions without pay. It could even get to that point. So it's very serious. And the MLB is going to definitely take charge on this. And if this has been going on for a long time, as Trevor Bauer has said, they're finally going to take an action. They're going to stop it. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting, too, when you're talking about, OK, how much can the MLB police this? Because, I mean, not to try and connect it too much with the steroid era, as you mentioned, it's different. But I mean, when possibly because we don't know how many people are doing it, how many pitchers are do, doing the using this kind of substance, how are you going to police it if most of the league is doing it? Are you going to uh, suspend some of the game's top pitchers who are, I mean, yeah, ratings are still up, Sam. Ratings are still up despite maybe the offensive explosion that maybe the game ratings are still up and the game is doing great that, that way. So can you suspend these high-profile pitchers when most of them are doing it? I think that's definitely a question that MLB will have to examine as time goes on. That should do it for MLB. Thanks, as always, for your insights. Sam may not be appreciated by all here on the podcast, but I like to show the appreciation. Justin, what is going on in the world of the NFL? A star wide receiver is on the move. What's going on, Justin? Well, Jacob, as you've mentioned, a star wide receiver is on the move. 
that star wide receiver is Julio Jones, who was formerly of the Atlanta Falcons, now shifting over to the Tennessee Titans. A very unexpected move by the Falcons. Many thought the rumors were true that Julio was moving away, but I, I didn't see it coming personally. I felt like Julio had a lot more to give, but we'll get to that. I'll just go over some of the trade details right now. We'll see what we think about the teams, if there was a great decision for them. The Atlanta Falcons, for trading Julio Jones and a six-round pick, receive a 2022 second round and a 2023 six-round pick. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that don't sound too good to me. For Julio Jones, I mean, Julio Jones. No, no. One of the yeah, top, that's... top, receive, top five receiver in the game, and they get a second and, excuse me, a fourth round pick for him. No, Atlanta made a very stupid round. move. That that was very dumb. I mean, I don't blame Julio for wanting to leave Atlanta. They're terrible. I mean, they blow leads the thing that more than I can count. Is that they didn't even just trade Julio? They traded Julio and a six and round a pick. pick. Like you don't you yeah, don't trade picks crazy. and your top receiver. And they didn't even get a first nothing. rounder. Like they didn't get anything for this. So. I, don't know. Exactly. I feel like I don't I don't know too much about the situation, but. I feel like they at this point the Falcons kind of had to just cut their losses and just kind of take what they can get. No, I know Julio Jones is top right You really don't know what you're talking about, Sam. Cause... You really don't. Well, <laughs> well, Julio. Wow. Hey, hey, to Sam's credit, Julio wasn't happy. He didn't want to play in that. Yeah, I know. Happy, listen, I know Julio came best. on the ra- was on. Like, I think they should have gotten more with Shannon Sharp and said that he does not plan on coming back to Atlanta. Would you? Well, he didn't mean to be on the record. He didn't even know he was on but, the show. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true, that's true. Uh, but, uh, okay, all right, how you're on a radio show, how do you not know that? But I'm going to give, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Sure, 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 I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But still, if you're going to say that, and then it comes on air, the Falcons are like, well, what what can we do? Like, he's obviously not going to come back. You just have to kind of cut your losses in that situation. I'm not saying it was a good trade. I'm not saying it was the perfect deal, but it's kind of, it's what happened. And I feel like they just had to make the best of it. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't get what they deserved for Julio. I mean, Hey, that was a rob for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, it makes their offense a lot more of a danger to other teams and their defense is a defense in their eyes. So, I mean, when we see more out of the Tennessee Titans this year, I think, yes. Um, with, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, and along with the beast, Derrick Henry, who can stiff-arm people to the third row, I think that is a very destructive offense, and I think that, like I said before, their defense is on the climb, so I see them winning their division. I think I think something to add, to I saw, I think, CBS Sports put out a post the other day comparing this trade, and as we've kind of discussed, atrocious for the Falcons in terms of what they gave up and what they received for a guy that still has a lot of lot of miles left on his tires of course metaphorically with with what he's what he's producing but comparing it to mixing in the bills with Stefan Diggs with all of the picks they they gave up for him and of course the other controversial one for a star wide receiver and DeAndre Hopkins how would you guys kind of measure up this trade to those other ones I think that order of fairness, it's a lot more similar to the Hopkins trade because the Hopkins trade, they didn't get much for him either. He's a top five, maybe even top three in the NFL. Yeah. And they didn't even, you know, they got like nothing for him. So I think 
when you look at the Bills trade, at least they had to give up a first rounder. They gave up like what four picks for him. So I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. in that yeah. situation, that was a fair trade. Both teams really benefited. They got Justin Jefferson out of that pick. He was great this first season. He's probably going to be great this next season. So I think that that was a more fair trade for both teams. But those other two, they were very lopsided, and I think that this one goes heavily in the Titans' favor. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more there, Justin. Um, D Hop you know, top three in my eyes receiving the NFL and you have another top five, top 10 guy on Julio Jones getting traded for basically nothing. And, you know, I feel like they should have at least gotten a first round pick out of trading him. They didn't. But again, Julio didn't want to play there. So in the way they had to move him this off season, I just feel like they didn't get enough for him. Top, top five, top 10. I, I heard that hot take there. D-Hop, top three. Julio, top five, top 10. Move all right, all right, all there. right, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I don't know. After, uh, we'll, see. we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Come some slack. He did have, he did have, what's his name thrown to him? Uh, Matt Ryan, so yeah, Matty yeah, Ice. Of course, but let me just slow down a little small statistic for you. He didn't really have a decline when it came to yards per reception uh, when it comes to his career, on his career, he's got 15.2 yards per reception. And last season, he had 15.1. So he's still the same guy. It's just he needs more opportunity. He did not get enough opportunity last season in the offense he was in. Yeah, and I, I feel like a part of it for me is looking at the team as a whole. And when you see that record, you just you, – it's not – it wasn't a good team, you know. <laughs> so if that doesn't – that shouldn't reflect on him. I guess just in my eyes it, it did uh, when I think about top receivers last, last year yeah. going into this year. If you don't have a good quarterback, how can the receivers function? You know, like, not, and, and I'm not saying the f- receivers heavily rely on the quarterback, but if the quarterback can't put the ball where it belongs and the receivers are running the correct routes, like, what's to say that reflects badly on Julio? He's just doing his job. It's Matt Ryan's problem for not throwing the ball correctly. Wow, taking shots at Matty Ice. But, yeah, I, I think that definitely plays a role, too. I mean, now, I mean, he was double-teamed nearly every game, and, I mean, no disrespect to Calvin Ridley and the other Falcons receivers while Peter's taking shots at the quarterback. But, I mean, it's going to be a different atmosphere. You have A.J. Brown, who's a solidified number one on a lot of NFL teams. And also, those two guys are going to be a a monster duo, um, one of the best in the league. So, yeah, I think Titans are, are up there. Gonna pose this to you guys maybe before we move on. Does this make the Titans the team to beat in the AFC South with the Colts yes. additions and those other teams? Yeah, in the for AFC sure. South for sure. In the yeah. South for sure. for sure. I think that they just they have the most consistent team here with their offense and their defense now locked in. You know, the Colts they're on the rise. They are they have a new quarterback in the system. They obviously need to work that out. The Texans just Sorry about the Texans. And, uh, I feel I feel honestly feel bad for the Texans fans. They have no one left. Got like, rid of D Hop for nothing. Got rid of D Hop. Got rid of D- JJ. JJ's gone, so they have no great defenders. I mean, they're you're left saying with goodbye to Sean Watson pretty soon. You know. Yeah, your, your quarterback, you know, sexually assaulted how many women? So. Yeah, so it's not looking good for Texans fans. So apologies to Texans fans. And as for Jacksonville, I mean, they've got a new quarterback too. We'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence, but yeah. he's not going to be mean, competing. It feels for, too early yeah, for him. Yeah. He's not going to compete. It's way too early this year, so it's definitely the Titans' division to lose. But I do want to pose another question, and Justin, I know I asked you so, something similar to this um, a few nights ago. Do you think that this trade, I'll word it a little differently. Do you think that this trade makes the Titans a top three offense in the AFC overall? Oh man, that was there were 
I'd, I'd honestly say they're at least four of the top six in the AFC. That's tough. I mean, I don't know if the Titans, I'm just looking at the AFC as a whole. I'm just looking at off that, you know, the offensive firepower. Oh, do you think this puts them in the top three? I do. Oh. I do. Wow. I, I mean, you've got the Bills with John. Do you put the Bills above them? Do you put the Bills above them? I mean, weapon-wise, sure. But yeah. it's tough because, I mean, Tannehill, he's not – he's. I think Josh Allen's a better quarterback. Oh, yeah. But I the, but the weapons around him, I think, are better. So, I mean, I hate to say it, Justin, but I think they are because of the weapons around him as, a, as of right now. I'll, I'll go Chiefs. Ravens, Titans, Bills, it's close there. Ravens. Ravens are up there. Lamar Jackson. Lamar takes bathroom breaks, bro. (laughs) Lamar takes bathroom breaks. And then he came back and won the game. Yeah, but Jake, Jake, there's one team for me that you omitted. I got to put Cleveland in my top three. I think they have the best running back tandem in the NFL and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And they still have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. So. It's tough for me to leave them out of the top. I, I was going to put the Titans in my top three, but since you said Cleveland, I've got to yeah, not yeah, put them in, actually. Yeah. You're right. Cleveland does my have top, a better offense. So. I had to say my top my top four, I guess, if we're going top three or four. Definitely Chiefs, number one. Yeah. There's no there's no arguing that. Number two, I think, is a close call between the Bills and the Titans. And I say this because, like we mentioned before, the um, Josh Allen, better quarterback, no arguing that. He can run, he can throw, he's Josh Allen. But Josh Allen doesn't have as many weapons, like we said before, as Ryan Tannehill. The Bills running game isn't as strong as Derrick Henry, and you will not get as strong as Derrick Henry on a run game. So I put the Bills, I put the Titans just above the Bills. Yes, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen have a connection like rare for a quarterback and receiver, and Cole Bleasley pulls his weight on that team too. But... I say it goes Chiefs, Titans, because the two receivers on the Titans now with Julio and Derek, Bills, Cleveland, which Nate mentioned, because yes, they have one of the best running games in the NFL, and Baker showed up last year real solid, and Kareem Hunt had a great had a great season, and then I guess we could put Jake's Ravens somewhere in there. I mean, I'm just saying, Lamar, Lamar, ja, I, he, he is, he, he, running He's game over, and passing I, game. I think, yeah, but one I think player does not make a team. Him. Yeah, yeah. You, you have J.K. Dobbins and, a good running back. yes, running you have game Lamar Jackson run, and J.K. Dobbins, that's it. Who well, else do you have on the Ravens? Disrespect. The, the, the Ravens disrespect in this, There's some this slander panel. In there. Some slander. Peter, uh, I'll say this, Pete, I agree with your list for the most part. Justin, I'm sorry, I put the Bills just below um, the Browns. I put them at four, and the reason is the Bills just – they don't have many other weapons outside of Stephon Diggs in my eyes. Their running game's not strong. I understand strong. what you're saying, but I feel like and, you're saying it for the wrong reasons. It's because I mean, you're, you're underestimating their weapons. I mean, you got Emmanuel I, I Sanders in there now. Gabriel Davis was excellent last season, and – you know, Cole Beasley has always been consistent. So I feel like if you're gonna slander the Bills for any reason, it's gotta be their running game. It's not the. I did. I I did say their running game. So I think that uh, for the fact that they have consistent receivers, a consistent coaching staff, I think that that puts them ahead. Uh, but I think it is very close between them. It's because of that running game. They don't have a very consistent. It's very tight. Team. It's very tight. I just the running game for me is just not there. That should do it. We would. Will- 
definitely check on what ha- what develops with Julio Jones in the Titans uniform and some of these AFC powerhouses as the season starts. Well, guys, the playoffs, playoffs, it may not seem like it for our first two subjects here, but the NHL and the NBA playoffs are well underway. You've got the conference semifinals in the NHL and the um, semifinals for the conference, the the Stanley Cup semifinals. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. For for the NHL, we'll start off here. The Islanders and the Lightning face off. The Islanders presently have a 1-0 series lead, just winning uh, 2-1 today, getting the, the edge up. And then on the other side, it is the Canadians who won the Canada bracket. Really shocking uh, they're going up against the Golden Knights. Guys, wh- what are you thinking so far through what we've seen? I'll be honest with you here, Jake. Um, I'm, I'm surprised to see these as our final four teams. Um, at the beginning of the playoffs, I would not have thought um, necessarily these four teams, but here we are. It's a rematch in the conference finals from last year between Tampa Bay and the Islanders. And the Islanders got the one, um, 1-0 lead right now, um, which is surprising. They went into Tampa Bay, took game one. Varlamov had a great game. He had 30 saves. He played lights out. And the Islanders' offense got it done. Montreal sweeping Winnipeg. You know, that's that was surprising. But I'll tell you one thing. The series there was uh, really set at the end of the game one where Mark Scheifele uh, took that charging penalty. And, you know, he got suspended for four games. And, you know, that, that, killed, that killed Winnipeg in my eyes. That really put them down for us the series. And Montreal took advantage. And they I, think that was a, I think that was a very big turn of events and could have altered the whole outcome, that charging penalty. I think that altered the entire outcome for the Jets. It, it really did in ways because Shifley is one of their best players. And, you know, it really— This is you why know, you don't make stupid decisions. Them. Exactly. And it really deflated the team, I feel like. Yeah. And then uh, just to touch on, you know, Vegas, I knew they were a good team tied on points at the end of the season with the Avalanche, but I just felt the Avalanche were better, especially after winning game one of that series 7-1. But then to just lose four straight, you know, they had a 2-0 lead, the Avalanche. They lost four straight to Vegas. I was honestly surprised. And, but Vegas played good, and here they are. I, You know, they're up against Montreal. We'll see what happens. Montreal's been tough, but Vegas might just be too much for them. I, I mean, this could be their year, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, what could you say about Montreal? I mean, the two opponents they've played, they've played so far, you could say they were out. I mean, I thought they thought they were going to lose to the Maple Leafs, who, as always, the same here, do it, blow it again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so uh, yeah, I think that that is going to be no different for the Canadians who are who are facing adversity again, and I think they're going to come out and try and punch them, punch them right in the mouth. It's going to be interesting to see that that game one. Uh, and yeah, looking on, on the the Islanders coming, beating the Bruins, I think that was, uh, I was thinking the Bruins, maybe Lightning would face off the Bruins were maybe that second best team, but the Islanders really proved that they wanted that revenge against the Lightning, who who seemed to, seemed to kind of have, it almost seemed like that, that easy route, they took care of of the Capitals in five took care of the Hurricanes. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a great series. Um, 
I, I think maybe that that one might go to seven. I, I don't know about the uh, Canadians. If if the Golden Knights really take control, I think that they could maybe maybe end it in five if they can really take control right from the get go. That's where I agree. I think the Golden Knights, if they take control, and they kind of like play like they have been, like they talked about. I say they come over the Canadians, and I also say that. The Islanders take it. Honestly, I say the Islanders take it. Just to your point, um, you know, going to the back to the Canadians, I uh, I feel, you know, they they've only played teams in Canada thus far, and I feel like Vegas just might be a different monster. But in all fairness, the Canadians have been the underdog all throughout the playoffs this year. And what have True. they done? They have, True. you know, they've proven everyone wrong. Basically, uh, they came back against Toronto, and then they swept. I could be wrong. So I could be wrong. Know, I no, I and if, I think Vegas will win it too, Pete. I yeah. I could be proven wrong here too. I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. We'll see what happens. I think it could be a good series, but you know, if Vegas can take control, in the Vegas, you know, look, look at the stadiums. You know, Vegas is almost at full capacity, if not at full capacity. While in Montreal, they're only you know yeah, have limited. about twenty five hundred fans. You know, they might up it, but it's not going to be and nowhere near. I think near that'll full. have. That'll have an impression, too, the amount of fans that are there. Like, to kind of get the energy up of the players. And I feel like in all sports, because this is a sports podcast, I can speak on this. Every sport, the fan has, the fan base has something to do with the outcome of how the players play. Especially come playoff time. Exactly. Come this seriousness of playoffs going into finals, your fan base is kind of like, you're a little bit of like a foundation. Like, if you don't have a fan base there cheering you on, you're like, I'm playing my best, but... No one's here cheering me on. I know they're at home, but like, it's a different environment almost. Yeah, and and and, it, and I think COVID really emphasized it. I think maybe that was one of the positives you look back on. Like, wow, we we kind of took fans for granted up until kind of the COVID pandemic shut everything down. We weren't allowed to go to sports games anymore. Mm-hmm. And kind of took that took that for granted. So yeah, definitely will be different for the Canadians. We'll see how they adjust and how the rest of the NHL playoffs wrap up here. Real quick, who's going to the Stanley Cup Finals, boys? The Knights and the Islanders. I I don't know. Do the Islanders get their revenge? You know what, Peter? That is where you are. Right. Islanders, Golden Knights, they do pull it off. This is the year they beat the Bruins in six. I'll go with the Islanders. New York, stand up. And I am going to make this a clean sweep. I agree. Islanders and Golden Knights. That is my um, first thought prediction. I think the Islanders get their revenge, and I, I think the Golden Knights are just too much for the Canadians. That's that's how I see the finals playing out. There we go. Way to bring it in, Nate, before I forgot. Switching over from the ice to the hardwood while the NBA playoffs isn't as far along as the conference finals. We we are in the conference semifinals with the Bucks and the Nets, the Sixers and the Hawks. And then on the Western side, new developments here. The Suns just taking down the Nuggets. 4-0, speaking of sweeps, a 4-0 clean sweep of the MVP, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets, and then also the Jazz Clippers, which is 2-1. What teams have surprised you guys or really, really just taken taken the playoffs by storm so far? Like you said, the Utah, the Utah Jazz, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a big NBA person, I don't know everything that I'm talking about, but 
I'm kind of surprised they're at where they're at. No, you know what, Peter? I agree. If Peter, honestly, I agree with you. And this just might be me, like, kind of it, thinking about the is jazz. It, is it tired, like, Sam, or what is this? You never agree <laughs> with me. No, 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 wow. Peter, I agree with you. Because, you, you know, for so long, this is uh, the a jazz have kind of been, like, a lower-level tier, like, team. Like, as, as long as I've been alive. And I think, I don't know, Jake, if you could attest to this. But before, like, Donovan Mitchell... The Jazz were just kind of like this lower, like lower tier team. They were just kind of like middle of the pack, like whatever. And even though they're they're the first seed in the West here, I still don't really think they're gonna like. They might get to the conference finals, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to the finals. No, I could be definitely no wrong. I could There's be wrong, no but I just don't fight. have that. I don't know. Well, listen. Now, when I say this, this isn't the. This is just me kind of, I think I'm underestimating the Jazz, honestly. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing, too. Maybe we are. But Maybe I don't think, are. I don't know. I They're up two to one right now. Like, Guys, the they're the one seed in the West. They had the best record in the regular season. It doesn't matter. I know. Seeds it, don't I, matter. It, it matters how well you play. It matters they have played well, well obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We have to watch what we're saying here. They've obviously played well. They're the first seed in the they're the first seed in their And they've played the well in the playoffs thus yeah, far. Sam, yes, Sam, now, Sam me... no longer agrees with Peter. Well, I still agree with Peter. I still don't. It was fleeting. They're still. They have Donovan Mitchell. They have Donovan Mitchell, who's basically the center of that team, and is tra- and is a young player trying to prove himself in the NBA after being told by Shaq uh, that Stephen he doesn't A think says he is already a bona fide superstar in the league. Sam, do you agree? I would agree with that. I'd say Donovan Mitchell's a super. Uh, he's a pretty big star in the league. You have Rudy Gobert, who just won his Defensive Player of the Year trophy as well. You also have Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, and Jordan Clarkson has been amazing for this for this Jazz team off the bench. I just don't think they're going. I just don't think they're going to the finals. And you know why? Because there's another young. There's another young guy, a little who's a little older, but another young guy trying to prove himself in this NBA, and that's Devin Booker. And as we and as we just talked about. He clean sweep. He clean. He did a clean sweep of the Denver Nuggets. Now, obviously, the Denver Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. And did I do I think he would have made an impact? Yes, I definitely think he would have made a big impact. But the way that Devin Booker and Chris Paul have been able to just kind of run this team and kind of facilitate them with Michael with Michael Bridges, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Cameron Payne coming off the bench, a lot of a lot of not very highly um, recognized players in the NBA kind of coming off the bench, doing work for this team. They've played so well. They played so well against this Denver team that it's, it's stupid. It's not, it's not even funny how they were able to just kind of sweep them like this easily. I think that they are definitely the candidate to go to. They're definitely a big candidate to go to the finals. That, But it all depends on how Utah kind of handles the Clippers right now. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you look at, uh, just to pose some opposition, Sam, all right? You know, you, you, you seem so confident that the Suns are going to go all the way here. I mean, I, I say the Clippers are better than the Nuggets right now because of the reason you mentioned. Jamal Murray is out. The Clippers have their two stars in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who they came from behind against a Mavericks team who gave them trouble. But, I mean, the, the Jazz... One of the best defensive teams in the league. They have Rudy Gobert in the center, at the center position, a lock down the paint. Donovan Mitchell is an excellent perimeter defender. I mean, I could put him on, on Devin Booker. I mean, I'm not saying that the Jazz are going to win this year. I'm saying 
you're not giving them enough credit if maybe these two teams. And, you know, I can definitely, I can definitely agree with that. I don't think I'm giving the Jazz enough credit. But at the same time, it's very kind of tough because I know Paul George has been having some shooting troubles for this uh, Clippers team. Kawhi has kind of had to kind of be on the takeover here and kind of had to. Yeah, your guy, Kawhi. My guy, Kawhi. <laughs> had to do the same for the Raptors. He did have to. Hey, 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 hey. Let's not, we're, we're not talking about that. This is a whole new, this whole new era. New era. New era where you guys don't make the playoffs. Hey, I don't want to hear. I don't want to talk about that either. I don't want to talk about that either. Okay. Yes, but honestly, tell you the truth, I think the Suns are making the finals. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna have to see. You heard it. You heard it here first. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna. I think the Suns are making the finals. It's it's bold. I mean, I could see it happening that way. But listen, don't underrate the Jazz. Don't. They're they're the one seed in the West for a reason. I I if the Jazz, I don't know. I feel like the honestly, I feel like the Suns have a better chance of winning if the Jazz if the Jazz beat the Clippers. Do you think the Jazz will beat the Clippers? I don't know. That's a good question. Do you think, do you think I Clippers feel are going to come back? It's, it's going to be very close. It's going to be very close. It's going to be very now. Close. It, what if what if it's the Clippers v Suns? How do you feel then? If it's the Clippers versus the Suns, then I think it's still going. Then it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot tougher. I say Clippers take it at that point. I don't know because so much. I don't know because I really thought that the Mavericks going to we're going to move on to this point, but the Clippers proved me wrong there. So it's just it, it, you don't know. And honestly, all these sports experts can say that, oh, the Suns are going to the finals, all oh, the Clippers are going to the finals. Sports experts such as yourself, Sam. I'm not. Hey, I never <laughs> said I was a sports expert. We're on a freaking podcast trying to talk <laughs> about sports here. So moving moving from the West uh, west to the Eastern Conference, what's, what, what do you guys think of the Eastern Conference here? The Bucks just evened up the series today, winning two straight, of course. Injuries in play to Kyrie yeah, Jake, and James Kyrie. Harden. But- Jake, did I not tell you the other day that the Bucks were going to even this out and pull off uh, uh, eliminating the Nets? Well, there's a very important factor here that's happening, and uh, one that kind of people seem to kind of forget about, and that's injuries. Injuries, well, yes, are injuries, injuries, injuries. I don't know anything about the NBA, and I told Jake the other day that the Bucks are going to come back and eliminate the Nets. Okay, Just well, hang second. on. That hasn't That's happened bold. yet. It's tied right now. Okay, the Brooklyn. Okay, so the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks are tied at two here. That does not mean just because the Milwaukee Bucks tied at two does not mean that they're winning the whole thing. The Brooklyn Nets, however, have sustained a serious injury. Um, well, their player has, and James Harden's been out for the past couple of games. It's a very big part of their team that is not with them right now. A, a, a very deadly shooter who could basically shoot from anywhere, as well as a very good passer. I mean, the Nets still have Kevin Durant, who could essentially... I mean, he's probably the best player left in the playoffs, let's be honest. Yeah, he's definitely, Individual talent he's definitely like a top three. He's definitely like a top three player who's like either now we could debate that another time but I think Kevin Durant's like a top three player right now and he's definitely one of the best players in the playoffs as Nate has mentioned and also they they still have Kyrie Irving who again is a very deadly shooter and a very good passer as well hey and Sam I mean as we saw they don't need James Harden to beat the Bucks they killed him game two with just KD Kyrie and the rest of the guys turning up so I mean Kyrie got injured I don't know the extent of his injury but I still see, I just feel that, you know, if Kyrie comes back or if James comes back, you know, I feel like KD and those guys can finish out the series. It might take the seven games. I just feel that if you have KD on your team, he's going to elevate your chances to win. And I just feel like he's got, the, you know, more of a clutch gene than perhaps a guy like Giannis. So I feel like 
the Brooklyn will take the series for that reason. I I, th- I think that that that's a you know KD has had more success and you know the whole stigma with Giannis is hasn't been able to get to that that uh, the the finals yet. He, he hasn't been a, been the league MVP a few times now, but hasn't been able to lead his team. I think this is really going to be a telling series, especially as these injuries develop. And can can Giannis take? take over this Bucks team and come up with an upset win, but it's going to be tough against KD, who, who is NBA multiple time NBA champion and, and one at the highest level, something Giannis hasn't been able to do just yet. And I think Giannis, and I think Giannis kind of is kind of like feeling the heat now. I, I think he's like felt it for a couple of years, but now I think it's really getting to him after that. Kind of at the free throw line with the 10 second violation and then everyone clowning him for that. I think Giannis is really feeling the heat and he feels like he needs to do something. Do you something think he's going right. to change that into energy to turn his team up? He definitely could. And I think Chris Mid- Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have definitely been feeling that heat too. And they're definitely backing him up very well for, but uh, as they've taken these two wins. But it's going to be close that whether to see whether James Harden can come back. And if not, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can take over again and put an end to the Bucks here. We'll have to see. All I'm going to say, and to finish this off, is I've seen underdogs defeat champions before, and I'm not saying it can't happen again. So I'm saying if Giannis can turn it up, and I'm saying if Harden, you know, stays out with his injuries, and Irving is also riddled with injuries, you know, injuries can reoccur, like we saw earlier in the playoffs. If that happens... I'm just saying the Bucks could could pull it off. Hey, and hey, don't forget whoever wins this series has to play the Philadelphia 76ers baby That's because right. guess what? That's fine. The Hawks That's they fine. losing, man. They ain't coming back and winning the Are series. You sure? 76ers got this in the back. Yes, I yes, definitely give the advantage to the 76ers. Yes, However, Joel Embiid has been kind of going. Ben, ben Simmons has got Trey on lockdown. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree the with that. The penitentiary, no Sam. The penitentiary. <laughs> There's no denying Ben Simmons and his contribution, uh, definitely on the defensive side, as well as also on the offensive side, too. And uh, passing uh, Joel Embiid? Joel, yes, I was going to mention Joel Embiid. Taking it to the house. And also dealing with a slight meniscus tear as well, which is definitely, which hasn't doesn't seem to be affecting his play no. at all, as he's been able to score 30-plus points and also maybe around the 30-point mark as well. But how does that come into the long term? How does Danny um, Green's, in the long term Danny Green's them, affect the 76ers in the long term when they have to? Here's what happens. They take out the Hawks. They take out either the Bucks or the Nets. They win the finals, and then they worry about the injury. Peter's breaking <laughs> it down for you. Yeah. So oh, Peter, exactly Peter really just how... broke it down. Peter really broke it down for me right there. Just the Peter. whole... Whole That's grand it. scheme of things. Not that they would probably have to potentially either well, take how do you on the feel Jazz. Analysis is what I'd like to call that. And well, how do you feel, Sam? How do you feel about the Sixers' prospects of? Hey, you think they'll beat the Hawks? Yeah, I think they'll beat okay. the Hawks. I think they can still beat the Hawks. I mean, but then no, no you think the next year Trae Young, Clint Capella, um, Kevin Herter, all those guys on the Atlanta Hawks. But I mean, the 76ers, I mean, they're up two to one right now. I feel like. Even with Danny Green injured, a very important shooter on that team, I feel like Tobias Harris, uh, Joel Embiid, they're both scoring 20-plus points uh, a game pretty much. Uh, Ben Simmons has been locked down on defense, still is able to pass, still can create, can still get around like 10-plus points a game. Should have won Defensive Player of the Year. 
True. That I'm was telling definitely you, a possibility I'm telling for him. You, the penitentiary is at maximum security, and Joel Embiid is dropping points like nobody's business. They're going to win the finals. Telling That's you. yet to be seen. That's yet to be seen. However, I do think that they will advance to the conference finals and take out the Hawks, and we'll have to either face the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brooklyn Nets. Prediction. Give us it. Yeah, let me propose this to you, Sam. Sixers and Bucks. Who wins? Conference finals. Sixers, Bucks. I feel that if Joel Embiid can stay healthy, if Tobias Harris can stay healthy, I don't necessarily think Danny Green would have to come back. Maybe uh, Frick on Korkmaz or Matisse Thibault could kind of fill in that role. But I'm going to go with – I guess I'll go with the 76ers. Exactly. I'll go to the 76ers. Exactly, because that's what's going to happen. Nets, Sixers, hypothetical, Sam. Sixers. Uh, going with the Nets. I'm sorry, Jake, but Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think you were... should be saying sorry to Peter the way oh, he's, sorry, he's Peter. expressing himself. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like if James Harden There's comes back. There's too many back, injuries on the Nets. Even if, too many maybe even if James Harden doesn't come back, I feel like the Nets still take it. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see, guys. NHL, what happens on the ice as that bet. The playoffs wrap up there, and then the NBA hardwood still got a long ways to go that should do it with with today's episode of the lunch hour sports podcast thank you all for listening you can check out future episodes on youtube and now spotify and also thank you anchor for sponsoring this episode of the podcast thank you for listening